Hi, this is T. Morris, co-author of Podcasting for Dummies, the third edition, and the award-winning Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences series. And you're in the kitchen with a melting podcast, best described as... Overcooked on the bottom, crispy as fuck, and it looks like Gandhi's flip-flop. What a shame! You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hello, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. Welcome to episode 62 of The Melting Podcast. Who are you? I work in back. I see no smiles. I mean, I'm the head chef, AF Grappin. And you do kind of work in the back, you know, doing like the audio production. And all I do all the administrative shit. Yay, administrative shit! But I also cook. Sure, sweetie, we'll go with that. And I'm your grill mistress, Erin Kazmark. Yay us! Yay us! We are back from Balticon. Yes, we are. Have, have, have been for a bit. Yeah, we, we, we have. And we'll go into our trip at a later time. For now, we've got a meal for you. It's tasty. It's it's quite it's quite the meal. It's it's been it's been a bit. We haven't had an episode other than the live show since before your surgery. Mm-hmm. So how you doing? I'm doing great. I got cut open and sewn back together, and I'm feeling way better than I did before. I noticed they replaced your real leg with like a chicken leg or something. No, no, no. no. It just looks like a chicken leg. I'm actually becoming the bionic woman. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. The bionic grill mistress. I have Kevlar. Oh, and that's actually for real. That's not just us BSing right yeah, now. Yeah, she I, has she has Kevlar. In her, I have in her actual hip now. Kevlar sutures and anchors in my hip. It's it's pretty badass. Yeah, but we are so beyond happy to have you back. Yay. I'm glad to be back yes. because I'm awesome. And it's time for us to get back into the swing of things. I'm not supposed to swing yet. My physical therapist well, says to sit still. Okay, so you sit there. Okay. Now, one thing that we have been missing since the kitchen was closed for a month and a half ish, something like that. Mm-hmm. The ovens are cold now. Yeah, so we need heat. We need we need to get these heated up by say stoking the, the fire. The fire. Ah, uh, I see yeah, what you did you there. You see what I did. That was fancy. So I'm going to take this opportunity to reintroduce Be hot? yes. I'm going to take this opportunity to reintroduce segments for any new listeners we may have now. Hello. Hi. Hi, new people. Welcome to the kitchen. Have a seat. I apologize in advance. We don't have a, a set menu, so just hold your napkin and we'll eventually get to you. Um, <laughs> and, and don't worry, there's nothing special about the brownies. <laughs> no, there's nothing. Um, Stoke the Fire stories are what we call our flash fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always have two prompts for Stoke the Fire stories up on the website, and we'll announce those again at the end of this show. But Stoke the Fire stories, 1,500 words or fewer, based on one or more. Of the Stoke the Fire prompts. What's our record on that? How many prompts were used? Was it 12? I, th- I th- Well, that was between like two stories. A guy used like 14 prompts between two stories. I think he used like eight or nine in a single story. Touched on it. And it was insane. Um, but the whole point of this is to see what different writers and different minds do with the same idea. Mm-hmm. So we have a helping, a triad, if you will. I will. Of Stoke the Fire stories for you based on 
Prompt number 14. A rash of people have just entered the emergency room, all of them exhibiting superpowers. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So we have three stories for you. So we're just going to play them back to back. Enjoy. Bon appetit. The Day the World Broke by Linton Bowers I remember the day the world broke. I was at Memorial Missionary Covenant Hospital working second shift. If not for having awoken a month previous, none of us on that shift would have survived. When the doors opened and a couple EMS techs pushed a gurney into the emergency room, I had not yet learned the truth of what was going to happen. There was a woman in her mid-twenties laying on the mobile bed. She appeared to be unconscious. What do we have? I asked the closest EMT, a gray-haired man I knew as The Method. Don't ask, it is a long story that shouldn't be told in polite company. Temp of 103 and unresponsive. Everything else seems normal. The Method replied. Did you give her anything? No. He pointed to the gurney. We need to ditch her and get moving. There are more calls than we have people right now, and we called in everyone. Really? What's going on? Accident or something? No, nothing like that. Calls are coming in from all over the city. From what dispatch says, there is some weird stuff going down. Why am I telling you? You will see soon enough. He grunted as his partner and he lifted the woman off the gurney and onto the bed I pointed them to. Be back, he said. His partner waved and smiled as they walked away. No sooner had the doors closed when the woman on the bed next to me sat up. She jumped off the bed and tore off her shirt, revealing her Hello Kitty sports bra. Uh, ma'am, you need to lay down and stop ripping off clothing, I said. Working in the ER, one sees some unbelievable things. The sight of a person ripping off their clothes was rather tame. She didn't respond to me. Instead, she spread her legs shoulder-width apart and bent her knees. She pulled her elbows tight to her sides with her forearms parallel to the floor. Then she tilted her head back and let out a throaty roar. I was pushed back by a force of invisible energy. Her hair fluttered as if blown by wind that wasn't there. The roar poured from her in an unending torrent. Yellow energy built into existence in a shimmering haze around her. As I gawked, her raven hair became golden and her eyes went from dark brown to sea green. I had never seen anything like it, but I knew what it was and I knew I had the tools to keep her from hurting anyone else with her awakening. To bring home my point, it was right when I made the decision to act that objects around her became swept up in the golden energy and levitated. I spread my own legs wide and thrust out my hand toward her. Until that point, I thought my own powers would never be useful. It was time to see just how much I could do with them. Cabbage of draining! Materialize! I shouted. A head of cabbage the size of two of my fists formed from nothing in my outstretched hand. With a thought, the cabbage rocketed forward and smashed into the woman. It stuck to her chest. Her roar became a scream. Before the vegetable could work its magic, her aura flared bright. 
Then she dimmed. Her hair, which had stuck straight up in pointed clumps, tumbled back down around her shoulders and returned to its original color. Stunning dark brown eyes locked on me before she collapsed. For a brief moment, I wondered if she would forgive me and agree to go out for Chinese. That thought was short-lived as the doors opened, admitting two sets of EMTs and patients. One stretcher held a man whose skin was turning gray as his body grew immense muscles. The person on the other stretcher jumped up. A black mask large enough to just surround his eyes materialized in his hand. He slapped it on his face and pulled the hem of the dark purple cloak that formed on his shoulders. He covered half his face and looked at me. I am the terror that flaps in the night. With his free hand, he pulled a wide-brim hat that matched his cloak from behind his back and placed it on his head. I'm the toe fungus that thrives on fungus cream. I raised my hand. Sleeping asparagus! I am dog. The asparagus shot into his mouth, stopping his nonsense. He fell over, and the EMTs next to him caught him. That was no longer my concern. What I had to worry about next was far worse. A gray-skinned behemoth with muscles reminiscent of mountain ranges rose off of the groaning gurney. He let out a roar and declared himself to be the strongest there was. I shot another sleep asparagus into his mouth. And yes, I did come up with the name sleep asparagus at that moment. He leaned forward and looked me in the eye. A wide grin spread across his face as he chewed down the sleep asparagus. Didn't your mother teach you to chew with your mouth closed? I asked. He responded by swallowing. And I see that isn't going to work. Very well. I threw my hands to the side. He threw his hand at my face. Knuckles the size of Jersey clobbered me and sent me flying. For the record, this is where the destruction started. I didn't initiate it. I pulled myself free of the wall and brushed off the crash cart that was wrapped around my rear end. You asked for it, I snarled. I stood sideways and pulled my hands back and close to my side. Brussels! My hand shot forward, palm to the giant. Sprouts! A steady stream of Brussels sprouts shot from my hands. Each one exploded with the force of a rocket-propelled grenade as it hit. The gray giant was knocked back with each burst. His back hit a support beam, and he was pinned in place. I screamed as I fed more power into the attack, increasing the speed and number of sprouts. The beam gave way, and the giant fell onto his back unconscious. So I stopped screaming and shooting. I slumped forward. The attack had sapped me of a large portion of my energy. I stumbled to the side and rested my arms on the nurse's station. The doors opened. Gurney after gurney was wheeled in. More patients than I cared to count were brought in and parked in the waiting area. One began to glow a crisp green light. The patient on another floated off his gurney. 
Another vibrated her body so fast, the gurney began sinking in the floor, moving between molecules. There were too many, so you have to understand that I had no choice. Containing them all was out of the question. And with my energy diminished, there was only one move I could make. My last resort. Haymaker. Hail Mary ability. I spread my legs shoulder-width apart and stood straight, raising my arms up. A blue disc appeared above my head. In a rush of wind, all the energy I had left slammed into the disc. Before I blacked out, I shouted, Broccoli Meteor Slam! As I fell sideways, I watched the domed heads of broccoli stalks crash into newly awakened heroes and villains. People were rendered unconscious, and everything around me shattered. A small smile touched my lips before all went dark. I awoke the next day right where I had fallen. To my dismay, the hospital lay around me in ruins. I like to think someone destroyed it while I was out, but I knew better. Broccoli Meteor Slam was no joke. If I put enough juice behind it, I could wipe out the dinosaurs. You know, if they hadn't already been wiped out by a real meteor. I realized how futile my efforts had been by the sheer number of people flying, running, and jumping all around me. The entire city had awakened, and soon I would find out it was the whole world. Well, crap. There goes my plans for a quiet evening with a hot woman at the Chinese joint. Emergence Services by David Doc Blue Wint I hate night shift. Philip Costadine grumbled to no one in particular. That wasn't fair. Philip had become a nurse specifically to be able to work in the emergency room. Almost a decade ago, the doctors and nurses in an emergency room very much like this had transformed his life for the better. And Costadine knew that the night shift was the very best time to repay that debt. So he really didn't hate the night shift. He just needed to say that he did. Stop your daydreaming, Costi. Roxy Virgil was the head nurse for the shift. We've got incoming. On quiet nights, Roxy would entertain herself thrashing gamer boys on a variety of handheld MMOs. But like Philip, she was all business when the signal came in that there were patients on the way. She grabbed the emergency room tablet and scanner while Philip began spot-checking the triage rooms. The previous shift had prepped the rooms. Philip and Roxy had double-checked them an hour ago, but it was procedure. Nothing pissed off the ER docs more than them feeling like they were unprepared. As he checked the last room, he heard the paramedics rolling in the first of their customers. What do we have? Philip grinned to himself. The stern tone Roxy was using was one that she saved for newbies. She was of the opinion that new members of the team had to prove themselves. But once they did, they were... Members of the team, that is. Hell, it was more than that. If Roxy accepted you, you were family. Male, Caucasian, late teens or early twenties, the paramedics started. Which is it? What? What? Is our victim in his late teens or early twenties? 
the doctors are going to want to know. Oh, late teens, I, I guess. Roxy tisked, but let him continue. Extensive physical trauma. Car accident. We've got three passengers and a bystander coming in right behind him. Ma'am. Roxy tapped on her tablet. Triage room one. And ma'am? She sighed. It's Nurse Virgil. Yeah, Nurse Virgil. Um, there's one more thing. Philip was around the corner, waiting for the first cart, but he didn't need to see her face to know that it was flushing with annoyance. This one wasn't going to make the cut. Yes? Um, tentacles. He, he has tentacles, Nurse Virgil. Philip started toward Roxy, and as the paramedic's cargo came into view, a thick, flesh-colored tentacle flopped out from under the sheet over the victim. What the? Costi, take this patient to triage one. I will inform the emergency docs. Roxy whirled on the paramedic. Did he have these when you picked him up? Uh, yes, but they looked like they had burst through his clothes not long ago. Damn it, we've got an emergence. Any of the others have tentacles? The, no? But there were other things. Double damn it, we've got multiple emergences. She pointed at the paramedic. You, triage room four, now. Any other newbies on your patrol? Me? What? Why? Just move. She tapped a button on her tablet as the confused paramedic did as he was told. A voice answered. I know the routine, Roxy. You keep the newbie as long as you have to. I'll clear the drive for the others. You're a good man, Michael. Any other newbies? Nope. I sent him in first to get him out of the way. I appreciate it. Drinks later? The voice on the other line grunted in affirmation and clicked off. Over the next 15 minutes, Roxy and Philip admitted another four individuals. The passengers were also emerging. One was half-transformed into a plant, looked like some sort of bamboo. The second was levitating uncontrollably. They kept him strapped to the cart. The third was leaking webs. The first was a priority. He would go into triage two. The other two would be uncomfortable but could wait, triage five and three respectively. The pedestrian was pretty beat up and clearly magnetic and equally confused about why the car suddenly jumped the curb to plow into him. Put Mr. Varpu into special triage. Make sure to remind the doctor to avoid metallic instruments. Philip nodded. Who's on duty? Roxy checked the roster. Dr. Sankar. He's not going to be happy about room five. Heard. Number five looked more surprised than anything. We will handle him ourselves. Understood. He looked in the waiting room. We clear? Yep. Initiating lockdown now. The second string have just checked in. A few more taps and metal shutters sealed off the ER and a motor kicked on. The entire wing descended into the earth while a nearly identical set of rooms slid forward into place. The exterior facade was untouched, so no one outside would be the wiser. Transition complete. You can call in the rest of the staff whenever you're ready. Philip smiled. <laughs> the rest of the staff. He was the rest of the staff. He concentrated a moment, and a number of young men, each of whom could be his twin, began popping into existence. In pairs, they headed to the various triage rooms. Staffing complete. Is Sankar here? 
I am, young man, and I'm disappointed that I have to remind you yet again that my title is Doctor. The older man was annoyed, but was used to Costadine's small disrespects. Rooms one through five. We've got a newbie in four and a floater in five. Nurse Roxy and I will handle them. But we've got a magnetic in the special room. She wanted me to... To remind me not to use metal in there. Yes. Yes. I'm twice her age, and she still mothers me so. Sankar headed for room one. I am not new, he murmured over his shoulder. With a nod to Roxy, Philip headed for room four. He knocked gently, but didn't really wait for an answer. What's going on? Why am I in triage? Always the same with the newbies. Philip glanced at his badge. Giles, is it? Look, you've had a strange night, and you have a pretty important decision to make right now. The young paramedic looked confused. If you want, you can call it quits right now, and your night doesn't get any stranger. All you will remember is that you got called to a really bad car accident, and that you have realized that emergency services are not for you. Giles started to speak. Let me finish. You could call it quits. Or, you can calm down and play along. But if you do that, your night is going to get a whole lot stranger. And not just your night, but the rest of your life. You will have to keep secrets from most people you know. A significant other will be pretty much right out of the question for all sorts of reasons. But you will have a new family and will be doing some pretty important work in the world. Whatever Giles had intended to say had apparently slipped his mind as he closed his mouth momentarily. Stranger? That... that kid had tentacles. Has... Roxy entered the room. He has tentacles. They are a part of him now. And the others... One will have a nice long life as a bamboo avatar, unless I miss my guess. Not a bad life, but kind of isolating. The others, if they keep their heads down, will be able to have more or less normal lives once they complete their training. Philip leaned against the wall, watching a myriad of emotions play across Giles' face. He smiled slightly when he saw understanding slip into the mix. They have superpowers? Like in the comics? Giles talked almost to himself. But how? There must be others. Why don't we hear about them? He looked from Philip to Roxy and back. Roxy continued, Because people like us help them. Can you imagine the panic if the general populace knew this sort of thing really happened? Philip put his hand on Giles' shoulder. We can explain more, but we really need an answer from you first. Do you walk away, or are you in? I couldn't tell anyone? If you walk away, you won't have anything to tell. Giles looked at the head nurse. I... I'm in, Nurse Virgil. She smiled. Call me Roxy and grab your kit. We've got people to help. Philip watched them for a moment before the voice of one of his duplicates blasted over the intercoms. We need more hands in triage room one. Stat. Philip was already creating more duplicates as he ran. I really hate the night shift. Untitled by Zach Mann The nurse thought it odd 
that the woman's lips were not moving. What the nurse heard sounded like a very bad impression of a female voice. Could it be telepathy? The voice said, Please look at my extremely handsome and modest husband. He heard on the radio that everyone who recently obtained superpowers should come be examined here at Jack Kirby Memorial Hospital. Suddenly, a woman opened her mouth, saying, Help me! My husband is driving me crazy! Could you convince him to stop putting words in my mouth? At least tell him. Please, tell him ventriloquism is not a superpower. That was a really, really short story. I like it. Yes. I like short things. That's why I like you. Aw, uh, wait. <laughs> you jerk. Aren't you glad I'm back? Uh. Well, I'm glad you were here to help serve up those Stoke the Fire stories. Because there were three of them. I only have two arms. I don't have those kinds of superpowers. You could balance it on your head. You're short enough. It's not like it'd have far to fall. Man, I'm just feeling the hate. Well, this isn't a short order cook segment, so. Hate? I'm just, I'm just the lightning rod of hate <laughs> You're not here. tall I enough. Think... You're not the tallest thing in the room. You're I not think... going to attract the lightning. I think we need a little bit of love. In the form of, say, promoting someone. I, oh. I'm good at that. Uh-huh. Just not with you. Today. Uh-huh. Apparently. Yeah, well, I have this. Silen's life is on trial. They think he's a leech. A thief who steals people's magic and twists it to his own ends. As if that weren't enough... Stealing magical talents leaves people soulless, empty, and a breath away from death. The worst leech in history left hundreds of victims in his wake. And Prince Padero and General Brint think Silen is the monster behind those deaths. They are examining his entire life for criminal activity, and the witness accounts are telling a very different story than Silen remembers. Can Silen expose the truth and prove his innocence? Or has he been deluding himself and must now accept that he is a criminal from birth? Criminal from Birth, a new novel by A.F. Grappen, now available on Amazon in ebook and paperback. See? I can promote you, uh-huh. but I didn't record that today. So uh-huh. I, I told you it was just today. I can't. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 You love me. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You know why? Why? It's a mystery. It's a mystery why, why I love my best friend. You know what else is a mystery? Hmm. Meals. No, we had we had three short, uh, three stoked the fires earlier. Those yeah. weren't mysteries. Those weren't mysteries, but mystery meals are. Oh, mystery meals. Okay, well, why don't you explain Mystery Meals segments to any new listeners we may have? All right, well, Mystery Meals um, are essentially Mad Libs. What we do is we take scenes from either classic or at least well-known literature, and we turn a well-loved scene mm-hmm. into a Mad Lib. And with your help through social media, Twitter, Facebook, by the way, group on Facebook, join it. Ah. Yeah, we love it. We love you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but through the help of social media, you guys help us fill that in. And then 
whoever was not the one to fill it in, usually myself or Theo, reads them. And hilarity ensues. Usually. These butts are on the butts on trees. <laughs> These are unedited, so there's laughter, there's no production quality to them because they are done on the fly, off the cuff, in, you know... Usually the, my living room. Usually in Aaron and Theo's living room. So there might be the random noise from a small child or, or a cat. cat. Or both at the same time. And there also might be cursing as we curse each other for our funniness. Plus, you know, we laugh and get off topic and such. So, yeah. Have a, have a, have a mystery meal. Enjoy. <laughs> Podcast crew, assemble! We're right here. Again. Cool. Um, Well, in that case, it is time for a mystery meal. How mysterious. Yes. I feel like I've said that before. You have, probably. Yeah. But, uh, so, so Aaron, why don't you go ahead and tell us other things you've said before, like how mystery meals work. Well, they're mysterious meals. That we prepare and present. That's not what you mean, is it? No, not at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> Medications are fun. Um, <laughs> um, no, a mystery meal is a piece taken from classic literature, just a specific scene or something, that we turn into a Mad Lib and have you help us fill out. Yeah. And hilarity ensues. And then Theo reads them for our amusement and your amusement. We hope. And we have a sniffy cat, so enjoy that. These are unedited, so yeah, that's not going away. Theo, what is the uh, title and author of this selection? Title and author. Oh, dramatic flourish. <laughs> Moby Dick or the Whale by Herman Melville. This is the very beginning. So the iconic line from this book. Oh, no. Theo, would you? With pleasure. Call me Rick Astley. A hundred and twelve years ago, never mind how long precisely, (laughs) having little or no smell in my purse, and nothing particular to interest me on shore, I thought I would sail about a little and see the feminine part of the world. (laughs) Hey, sailor. (laughs) It is a way I have of driving off the bladder and regulating the circulation. Whenever I find myself growing grim about the mouth, whenever it is damp, repulsive November in my soul, whenever I find myself unheroically pausing before coffin warehouses, (laughs) and bringing up the rear of every funeral I meet, and especially whenever my hypos get such an upper hand of me that it requires a strong moral principle to prevent me from deliberately procrastinating into the street. I, I, guess. I guess I'll get out of the way. <laughs> and methodically knocking people's saris off them. Then I account it high time to get to sea as soon as I can. This is my substitute for pistol and ball. With a corpulent flourish, Cato throws himself upon his sword. I recklessly take to the ship. There is nothing surprising in this. If they but knew it, almost all men in their degree, sometime or other, Cherish very nearly the same feelings towards the ocean with me. There now is your insular city, <laughs> city <laughs> of the Filipinos, oh. belted round by wharves as, an, as Indian isles by coral reefs. Commerce surrounds it with her turf. Right and left, the streets take you waterward. Its extreme downtown is the battery where the noble mole is bamboozled by waves and exfoliated by breezes. He did a bamboozle. (laughs) Exfoliation. (laughs) Which a few hours previous were out of sight of land. 
Look at the crowds of water gazers there. <laughs> he gestured to the crowds. Of water gazers. There. There. <laughs> Circumambulate the city of a dreamy Arbor Day afternoon. <laughs> I love trays. Go from behind the couch Butts to Hollywood trees. Boulevard. I saw legs with shorts. Not mine. <laughs> Rewind a moment. Go from behind the couch to Hollywood Boulevard, and from th- from thence by Kremlin northward. What do you see? Posted like silent sentinels all around the town, stand zero upon 666s of mortal men fixed in ocean reveries. That sounds foreboding. <laughs> Some doing the hokey pokey against their spiles. <laughs> Some seated upon the pierheads, some looking over the bulwarks of ships from the Emerald City, some high aloft in the rigging, as if striving to get a still better seaward peep. <laughs> but these are all landsmen, of weeks pent up in lath and plaster, tied to counters, nailed to benches, clinching to desks. How, then, is this? Are the glowing fields gone? What do they hear? But look! Here comes more crowds, pacing straight for the water, and seemingly bound for a dive. Great Caesar's ghost! (laughs) Nothing will content them but the extremest limit of the land. Skyping under the shady lee of yonder warehouses will not suffice. No, (laughs) they must get just as nigh the water as they possibly can without slicing. And there they stand, miles of them, leagues. Inlanders all, they come from halls of justice and alleys, street (laughs) avenues, north, east, south, and upwards. Yet here they all engulf. To the up! Tell me, does the magnetic virtue of the needles and of the compasses of all those ships attract them thither? That's a fun word. (laughs) Thither. Once more, say you are in the country, in some high land of the strip mines. Take almost any path you please, and 106 billion to one it carries you down in a dale, and leaves you there by a pool in a stream. There is magic in it. Let the most absent-minded of men be penetrated in his deepest reveries. Stand that man on his inner ears. Set his feet (laughs) a-punching. And he will infallibly lead you. To water. (laughs) If water there be all that region. Should you ever be athirst in the great Cardassian desert, try this experiment. If your caravan happened to be supplied with a metaphysical professor, yes, as everyone knows, towel and water are wedded forever. (laughs) He's staring blankly. Well, he is Rick Astley. I ran out of words. <laughs> oh, the end. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. So oh his feet are punching. <laughs> I don't think they understand how anatomy works. So what do I call you? Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you sing. I'm a writer. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah. But you still love me. That's my line. Yeah. Okay, I will give you another line. Okay. 
I'm going I'm I can do I'm going I'm I'm going to feed you, you got an this, idea and go with it, okay? You got this. Aaron. I was born ready. If people who liked the podcast were to go on iTunes, they would find us. Yes, and then do what? Like us. And listen to us. They already do that. Leave a review. There we go. Okay. Yay, I did yes, it. Yes. First try. Leave a review, preferably a good review, but you know, be honest. We're we're not beggars. Yeah, so so then it would have to be an awesome review. Yeah, like 70 stars. Yeah. yeah that's my right. Well, you didn't say it. You were taking too long. That's what she said. Yeah. What? <laughs> okay. Anyway, now there's also, say, our swag shop. They can buy stuff. Shop.spreadshirt.com. <laughs> Gus Speaks, take two. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash The Melting Podcast. And they can get aprons, mugs, mugs buttons, t shirts. Yeah, all kinds of stuff I need to get on there and do some more updating. With art based on us. Yeah. And, you know, if you're an artist and you don't really want to write anything for us, feel free to send us fan art. That'd be amazing. Fan well, art comics, you know, we, we can post stuff on the website, guys. Yeah, and but, the, the social media groups. and. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash podcast, And you can buy swag. Um, the proceeds from that go straight back into making the show better. Mm-hmm. Helping with hosting fees and you know potential equipment upgrades and stuff like that. Speaking of upgrading equipment and funds going back into the show... Patreon! Patreon. I am considering... I actually figured out how I could change the URL for it. As of right now, it is still patreon.com slash afgrappin. I'm working on getting it changed to patreon.com slash themeltingpodcast, but I'll let you know. It is still patreon.com slash afgrappin for right now. Because that's you. That is... Because that's me. Now, here's the thing with our Patreon... You can support us for as little as a dollar an episode, and that helps. Or as much as a million dollars an episode. Actually, the, the top tier is $50 an episode. 50 times you can do that. Yes. So at each level, one do- I think it's 1, 3, 5, 10, 20, and 50 are our levels. For whatever little amount you can support us, you get physical swag. Mm-hmm. Including buttons, bumper stickers, which you can't get on the swag shop, T-shirts. You can get um, an official title as part of the kitchen. You can become part of the podcast crew. You can tell us what scene you want us to do for a mystery meal. Mm-hmm. And yours gets priority. You can request specific books for me to read and review. You can do all kinds of stuff um, with these can yeah, get just, on Skype and guest host an episode with us. Yeah, there there are all kinds of different things you can do. You can actually give us a message to record and send back to you for you to use as a voicemail, as whatever. We'll, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> we like to do things. Now, more importantly, we are so ridiculously close on our Patreon right now to hitting our first goal. Our first funding goal is at being supported for $40 an episode. At that point... We can begin paying writers. Yep, that yep, would be yep. huge for us. And for the people who write and, things and send it to yeah, us. Yeah, because we become a paying market. And as of right now, what it's looking like our rates would be, if we hit that $40 an episode, we will be paying, I think, a flat $25 for main ingredient stories. Mm-hmm. And it's looking like probably somewhere between 7 and $10 for a Stoke the Fire. Mm-hmm. That's no small amount, guys. Especially if you send us a lot of stuff. Yeah. 
you could uh, if you if you're a Patreon backer and you still like sending us stuff, you'd be getting some money back for that. That's mm-hmm. nothing to sneeze at, and it would make us look so much better and feel so much better in general because we can say, hey, we need stuff to fire stories. Write fifteen hundred words, take part of an afternoon, get seven bucks, ten bucks, whatever it ends mm-hmm. up being. We want to be able to be that paying market. Beyond that, we have goals to upgrade our sound equipment. Yep. To pay voice actors, which Love means to be able to do that. Which means, yeah, initially we would be paying ourselves, but it would give us a chance to bring in other voices. Other voices who are more professional quality, who are mm-hmm. busier, who mm-hmm. would be more enticed to work for us if we were paying them. People, you, know. you know, like Dave Robinson or Veronica Jaguar. Pardon me, I've been sick. I'm sorry. Did I hear Starla in there? Starla Hutchinson. Mm. Oh, there we go. Mm. Yeah, but there's a lot. Team Morris. Sorry. Yeah. We want to be able to do that. We want to be able to um, upgrade our website. Mm-hmm. I don't know jack about web development. I would like to be able to pay somebody to do that for us. <laughs> it functions. But anyway, so that's our first goal right now. We're, we are $16 an episode away. Three people backing us at $5 an episode. That's 10 maximum $15 a month if we pop in a couple extra episodes, guys. Help us out. Help us help you. Help us help you. Help uh, us help you helping us help you. Yes. Help us helping you. Help us helping you. Helping us helping you. Helping Aaron. Because I had surgery. <laughs> she had surgery. It, it, it's all. This is my version of GoFundMe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I won't use it for me. I'll use it so I can pay writers so I have stuff yeah. to read. Because and, and, I really like reading your stuff, guys. We do. Out and, loud. And I hope you like listening yeah. to it. And speaking of, you know, stuff, like, remember those Stoke the Fires we were talking about earlier? Yes, yes, yes. And how they're based on prompts? yes. Now, prompt number 14 that we mentioned earlier is actually closed. Yes, it is. Prompt number 15, however, is is closing at the end of this month. Gasp, sob. June 30th is the last day we'll accept submissions for prompt number 15. Real tears right now, guys. Guys, prompt number 15 is. There is an expiration date for your birth certificate. It is only a few days away. We've only gotten a couple stories on this, guys, so... And this one's got a lot. A possibility. Yeah. So 1,500 words or fewer. Whip that out. Send it to us. You can check out, check out our submissions tab. Find out how. It's one or... of the only things we appreciate you whipping out and sending to us. Yeah, that that very much. Yeah. So <laughs> Ju- July 1st, we will be introducing a new prompt. Um, until then, prompt number 15 is still open, as, lo- as well as prompt number 16, which just recently opened. The sounds on top of the roof suddenly stopped. I want stories on that one, too. So again, I smell Christmas. Again, 1,500 words. Yeah, this would be the perfect time to write us a Christmas story because we need them in advance to produce them in time for Christmas. So this would actually be pretty ideal. Yeah, that's a good prompt to use for something Christmassy. Yeah. So consider that. Or Krampus. Or Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Yeah. That's all. So those are our open prompts. Again, go check out our Patreon. Throw a dollar an episode at us. Uh, Go to iTunes. Give us a review. 70 stars. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. Interact with us. We desire that so much. That's kind of why we're doing this. Yeah, we do this for you. Other than that, we're just two people talking in my closet. Is it time to come out of the closet? I've already done that. True. Yeah. Never mind. So anyway. (laughs) I think that's about it. What do you I say we so wrap too. this episode up? In cheesecloth? Sure. We knew we know where the cheese went. We do. No, we also know where the corn went. Oh, the corn. Oh, the corn. Oh, the corn. If you don't know what we're talking about, 
go look in our past feed. Yeah, it's you all, will find the answers and the corn. It's all on iTunes now. I figured out how to fix that. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I actually did something technological and web based and useful. Yes. So anyway, until then, you know, give us fan art, give us web comics, write us stories, write us songs, send, send us, us stuff. stuff, and we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to the Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you could email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. <laughs>